0: Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona Macarthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales, the sheep extension network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 And our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep.
1: Oh, hi, and welcome to today's episode of It's Time for You, Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's a beautiful day and I'm west of Orange near Cadal, looking out towards Mount Canobolus and the beautiful green landscape that we've got here and I've come to chat with consultant and farmer Hamish Dixon all about contain- containment feeding and joining breeding using containment for optimum success and reproduction rate. Hamish, thanks for joining me today and um, welcome to the podcast.
2: No problems. thanks for having me.
1: Hamish, tell me a little bit about yourself and your operation here.
2: Uh, So look, we we run a farm here in sort of central west New South Wales. We run a predominantly sheep enterprise. There's some cropping involved as well. Um, But we run um, certainly a containment area as part of this operation on a day-to-day basis. So typically we've got ewes in containment through joining and um, they may well stay in there through till mid-pregnancy depending on how the season plays out. Um, But it's a big part of of our operation here. And separate to that, um, I work with a lot of clients on nutrition and general livestock operations and consulting from that perspective as well.
1: And so you've been in the consulting game for a while and um, somebody that I've had a bit to do with over the years. Um, interestingly, during the drought, a lot of people started using containment feeding uh, to keep their sheep off country and also better utilise the, the limited amount of feed that they have available. Um, how, like you you're seeing an increased number of clients starting to join in containment?
2: Yeah I think over probably the last at least two or three years in particular we've had a lot of a lot of increase in the use of containment areas. Um, It's been partly from a drought management perspective um, and it's also been I think something that people are going to use more regularly just as something that they can manage the seasonal changes in feed so even at the break of the season it'll get used quite a lot Um, and for some people that coincides with joining time so uh, there are certainly a lot more people that are using containment at a time that they need to be joining use as well.
1: And so, are you seeing when people are joining in containment that their joining rates are improved, or you know, like, or are they like you'd at least hope for them to be maintained? But are, are you getting a, a boost in conception rates?
2: Uh, look, for some it does. Yeah, look, I mean, at, at the very least, there's no reason that it should be any lower than what they would traditionally get. Um, and in some situations, yeah, they can actually get an improved conception rate out of joining in containment.
1: What are we seeing? Sort of, are the contributing factors to an improved? conception rate in a joining in containment situation?
2: Uh, look, a lot of it just comes down to access for rams and ewes to get together. Um, so for some situations, if people have larger properties where um, they've got big paddocks and they're sometimes getting groups of animals splitting off, then you know we avoid those sorts of situations in containment, obviously. So um, in that regard look there are often you know just improvements coming out of that alone the other big part that comes into play is feeding so often when we're bringing stock into containment the feeding management side of things is improved so we should be certainly looking after the nutrition of the ewes we might get a bit of a natural flush coming through with depending on how you feed and hopefully um, the rams are in good condition as well and and we get an improvement in conception out of that at the same time
1: and um so Condition score, you, you've obviously got the capacity to better manage condition score of your breeding ewes and your rams like, during that time, So, and that's contributing well to to people's success?
2: Yeah, it is. Yep. So particularly if you've got ewes that are coming into containment pre-joining, then it's a great opportunity to be able to do some splits. You know, Normally, your ewes are going to be spread across a number of pens, depending on your scale. So it's an easy way of going, right, before they come into the containment, let's do a split down the draft. It might even be as simple as just into groups of fats and thins. You know, other people might get into the detail of having, you know, a score that's averaging two and a half, pen, those that are in score three and those that are above. Um, so that can help certainly from a nutrition point of view. It helps manage your feeding a lot more in a lot more of a targeted way, which helps with costs, but it can certainly also help in terms of conception rate because it gives you the opportunity to bring those lighter use up and improve the conception rate that you get out of that group. And and that decision alone is is quite cost effective.
1: And how much of a cost effectiveness is that going to bring us like in terms of bringing our costs down like how much more efficient is it to feed breeding ewes in a containment area than um if if they're in a bare paddock wandering around
2: yeah, it looks at there's, there's a cost there's a cost benefit in terms of the actual feeding and containment so certainly there's some improvement from there and, and we often see depending on the stage of pregnancy but usually it's about a 10% improvement on um, on intake or their, their requirements for nutrients by the time you t- put them in containment and they're not having to, to walk around paddocks The other part of that cost benefit is the the improvement in condition that you can give to lighter use and what their improved conception rate is um, For us we, we look at that pretty closely here on our place and even when we look at it from clients' perspective as well Um, look we often see around a two to one payback on that type of situation so the the extra cost of an additional feed to get them say from score two and a half up to three is offset by the higher conception rate that you'll get out of those animals
1: so double whammy so more lambs and more efficient use of your feed
2: absolutely yeah
1: and so so you 're doing that here um, on your property, both in a drought type scenario, which we 're luckily now sort of seeing the back end of, and hopefully for a, a hopefully. good while yet yeah. how How can people even can like start to consider even using it as a strategy with regards to their stocking rate? Is that something you 're seeing people around the countryside starting to to do
2: yeah, I think so look we 've seen um You know, people put in containment areas in droughts, you know, five, ten years ago that have now realised that they use them more regularly than they initially thought. You know, they've gone in in a situation where they've just desperately needed them and then once they've come out of a drought scenario, they can see that, look, there's an opportunity to use it just in periods where they have, you know, Short-term shortages in feed. So it might be at the break of the season um, when uh, we're waiting for a late break or they're waiting for sown feed to get up and get going um, or if they they know that they're busy cropping and some other things as well that, that mean that it's just sometimes easier to use containment for a short period and then you know use the feed that they've got available more efficiently. So those sorts of scenarios are getting used more and more. Um, I think people that have put in containment areas now are probably using them in some situations every year for, for limited periods of time but lots of places are probably you know ending up using them every two to three years um, even when things aren't in full drought conditions. Um, I think the other part is ideally we, we always set up containment areas close to handling yards, close to shearing shed or all the, all the major use areas and that means that you then also have a facility that you can use regularly just for holding stock when you need to and I think we, we see a lot of clients using them just sporadically at that time but somewhere where you can park sheep Pre shearing, um, you know, you can send them back out there. Box mobs up, do whatever you need to. Um, it's just a good holding area that you can you can use whenever you need to.
1: How we'll get down to some of the the hows and the what we need to know and and how to do it. How far in advance if you want to use it as a tactical, um, you know, part of your operation? How far in advance do you need to bring them in to the containment to get them settled? Um, and up onto their full feed ration what what kind of time frame you're talking about or do you get them on the ti- on their on their um their ration while they're still out in the paddock
2: Ideally, yeah. yep. Yeah, as much as you can background them out in the paddock before they come in makes that transition a lot easier. Um, some of that timing depends on what you're feeding as well. Um, so the biggest risks really from a containment point of view from a health perspective is acidosis and, and even pulpy kidney. Um, so from an acidosis perspective, if you can really transition them onto a grain diet as smoothly as you possibly can and generally over at least two weeks, then you can you get a good bit um, outcome from that sort of system. Um, and yeah, certainly backgrounding out in the paddock makes it a lot easier. In some situations, that may be just part of the process anyway. If you're getting to the stage where paddock feed availability is declining, you might be in a position where you're actually supplementary feeding out in the paddock anyway, and then that helps that transition in. So they're on, you know, maybe they're on three, 400 grams a day of barley out in the paddock. You continue to up that over the week before they come into containment then you continue to up and maybe when they're in containment and just make that transition as smooth as possible Um, and if you do that then then we tend to have really good outcomes Um, and like i say, the other health perspective is is really pulpy kidney Um, i think it's probably one of the health issues that we don't recognize enough in using containment and equally um, in probably feedlots lamb feedlots as well so making sure that you have actually they're up to date with their vaccinations from a Clostridial point of view is really important um, if they haven't had a vaccination if they haven't had a three in one or a five or a six in one in the last three months hit them again um, because the pulpy kidney component of those vaccines doesn't last that long you don't get a full 12 months protection out of most of them so uh, make sure that's up to date
1: so we, we just on that we might um just talk about what a full vaccination program looks like for an adult breeding you, and it starts at landmarking, doesn't it?
2: It does, yeah. So, you know, they certainly have to get their their first vaccination at landmarking, and I think if you go back a step again, part of providing immunity to lambs when they're first born is that the ewes have actually had their pre lambing vaccination as well. That gives the lambs their passive immunity until they get their first vaccination at marking and then they get their booster again at weaning which you know, might be four to six weeks later again. Um, then they get into their 12 monthly cycle. The, the challenge with pulpy kidney in particular out of that group is that the the coverage for that one doesn't last. Um, And they're most at risk of pulpy kidney when they're on really high-quality feed. So that's why going into containment can present a challenge from that perspective if they're going on, um, you know, a a high-grain diet, especially if they're on... um, you know feeders or they've got access to feed that they can eat more than their allocation. You might think that you've only got, or you're only providing say five or 600 grams a day, whatever the ration works out to be of grain, but the reality is there will be some variation between individual intake and you might have some guts in there that can eat a kilo a day or more. And if that's the case, then they're at risk of pulpy kidney. So it is really important to ensure that they, they have some vaccination prior to going in. Um, sure, if that coincides with the timing of an annual booster, then, then that's great, but if not, um, just a 3 and one will suffice in terms of covering off on that particular health risk. Yeah.
1: And do you find that when you're bringing the ewes in, if they're if it's the first time for them to come into containment, that it takes them a little while to adjust, will they go off their feed?
2: Um, it is important to get them used to that sort of scenario. So they've got a few things to get used to. One is feed and one is just the environment and the feeding system. So um, if they've been backgrounded on the feed, there shouldn't be issues in terms of them going on to that particular type of feed. Um, but if they are completely unfamiliar to how you feed so whether it's through lick feeders or in a trough system then there can be some hesitation in terms of how they go into that you'll have a group of animals in there that will hook straight straight in without any dramas but it's it's the tail end that you've always got to watch for Um, so really the best thing you can always do is is make sure that those animals are used to whatever feeding equipment you're you're going to use in containment and preferably out in the paddock Um, so at some stage ideally they've been exposed to that equipment before they come in um, and that's where, even as a, as a young animal, that's where things like yard weaning can come into play and really help how they perform in containment later in life. You know, if they're yard weaned and they're onto those feeders and they're onto that type of grain, they've been exposed to it, they're used to it, and we've, we find that how they um, come into a containment area later in life is much, much smoother and much, much easier.
1: It's, it's like um, imprint feeding your lambs at weaning yeah. time. It's a, it's a lifelong learned habit that yeah. they can get into.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What about um, RAM percentages? So how are you finding clients getting results from, from – do they need to keep the RAM percentages what they would normally have in a paddock – or are they, you know, is, is there any merit in, in backing them off? Or, you know, what's your yeah, uh, look, advice I think,
2: there? I mean, in theory, um, with closer proximity to, to them, look, you could probably, in theory, back them off a little bit. But I think in practice what happens is we've still got the rams on the, on the place. Um, so you're better off just making sure that you've got the same percentages as what you use out in the paddock. Um, And in reality, we're still trying to probably get to 1.5% plus rams. You know, the old 1% 1% still works, but the reality is it doesn't give you a lot of room for error. Um, And likewise, you know, dropping ram numbers in a containment area you've got to be really careful that you don't get a failure with a ram especially if you're running small mobs and you've got limited numbers of rams per mob. Um, so I think in general what we, we try and make sure um, is happening is that generally we're still running in that sort of 1.5 to 2% rams mark um, and it just makes sure that, that, that we're not going to have problems and it does mean that if one ram isn't isn't fertile or isn't acting then it doesn't matter. You know, you've got coverage, you've got backup rams that you're still not going to get a really big problem and I guess the flip side to it is that while, you're, while you've got stock in containment, there's benefits there, but there's still costs from a feeding perspective and you want to make sure that you get a really good outcome from that joining in containment and, and the way that you're going to offset a lot of those costs is with high conception rates and getting lots of lambs that you can, that you can recover the costs of the feeding in containment in the first place. So taking a risk of dropping ram numbers by a little bit in reality isn't a major cost saving um, and the benefit of actually making sure that you have really good conception rates will, will be really important.
1: Just on conception rates, do you find that that people that are joining in containment are getting a higher proportion of twins and a lower proportion of dries?
2: Uh, Quite often they do, but it comes down to feeding in that situation more than anything. So, um, So in theory they could get that same result in the paddock if they actually fed to the same level it's just that what happens is typically by the time you bring them into containment you get really sharp with how you're feeding them and quite often if you can give them that improved feeding strategy you'll get more multiples coming through and certainly the dryers will often come down as well um, so you, you're basically giving them a flush. Um, and you can get a high percentage of multiples that way yeah
1: so it it really is about doing doing the job right irrespective of whether you're in in a containment situation or in a paddock situation if you're ticking all of those boxes you know may maybe a, a a case of of um you know, more convenient having them you know all contained and, and ease of feeding and ease of management
2: yeah that 's right that 's right and, and there 's benefits around that certainly from from just an ease of feeding perspective you 've got all your stock in one area, um, it can certainly cut the amount of feeding time per day down that you've, that you 've got to incur yeah,
1: yeah. we 're just going to go into the shed now, just under cover. one other thing that i 'm a bit interested in in finding out Hamish from you is what about our ram preparation we, we get to joining quite often and go oh far out you know they're not on the same same feed as what the ewes are like there's there's a few risks there particularly in a in a full feeding situation what are your key messages for people that are thinking about joining in containment with regards to preparing a rams
2: yeah look it, it is a really important consideration and it's something that um that i see, think see gets overlooked sometimes it's um it's fairly common in that I think what we end up doing is we get all the ewes onto feed and we get them backgrounded and we get them onto grain, and especially if we're onto you know, barley or a higher starch grain that takes a little bit of a getting adjusted to from, a, from an acidosis perspective, um, that's great and we do that really well and then occasionally what happens is we forget about the rams and they've been out in a different paddock getting maybe lupins and prepped up for joining that way which is how we might normally do it for joining in the paddock Um, but the reality is they're about to go into an environment where they're where the ewes are on a full grain ration that's completely different and um, those rams are obviously at at a high risk of acidosis if if they're not used to that same grain ration so we've got to really think about making sure the rams are set up to go straight into containment and straight into the pens on the same type of diet so you know it's really just at the same time that we start prepping the ewes to go into containment we've got to think about the rams as well Um, same thing in terms of vaccinations and same thing in terms of getting them onto the same type of feed so getting them started on barley if that's what you're going to use get them gradually built up so they're at the same level and there's no issues in terms of that that side of things otherwise what tends to happen is I think we see either Either you get to the point where the rams are ready to go out and we go, oh bugger, we've forgotten to get them right to where we want to and either they go in and and we have some some health issues that might happen with those rams or otherwise you end up having to delay joining for a week or two until you can sort of get them up to speed quickly and and, um, at a level that they can go into the containment pens as well.
1: And I guess... Um, acidosis is going to result in um, sterile rams, yes? Yeah.
2: yeah. So if they get a bad enough case of that, then we've certainly knocked them around from a fertility perspective. Um, And and look, from a lifetime productivity perspective, we've got to be careful with that. You have a bad enough case of acidosis, we cause some irreparable damage to guts, and and that's something that we've got to be always careful of whenever we're using containment areas.
1: How long, like, and and I guess how how do you go about releasing them and is is releasing them you know all the same as as how you'd, you'd uh, just ordinarily do that during drought or is there any special uh, tips that you've got for people when they're releasing uh, the ewes from containment
2: yeah look it, it's a it's just as important to be um, I guess careful in terms of releasing sheep out of containment it's it's not uncommon and, and there's quite a few industry sayings that, that we have just as many deaths going out of containment as what you can have coming in and and a big part of it is there's a sudden change in diet that animals have to adjust to so making sure that when we release animals out of containment we try and transition just as smoothly as what we come in is still important um, there's probably a few aspects to it one is presumably in this sort of scenario we've talked about joining a containment so we're now potentially dealing with ewes that are in lamb and we want to make sure that we look after them as best we can so that we're not losing any lambs um, in utero so a big part of it is just managing um, feed on offer when they go out as well so certainly one of the things we want to be careful of is that we don't let ewes out onto really short low amounts of feed on offer Um, and sometimes that's that's Quite tempting if we're at the break of the season and if we've got you know maybe some sown feed crops that are going in, um, going out onto really short, lush, wet feed can be really problematic for animals, and especially if we've got animals that are, say, in late pregnancy, they get to the point where they're trying to consume a huge amount of feed intake. Of something that's basically 90% water, so it can be a real issue. And making sure that we've got um, enough feed on offer is one way to get around that. So it's it's avoiding the temptation to let them out at the moment there's a bit of a green tinge out in the paddock, and waiting for there be for there to be sufficient feed that they can actually achieve you know the amount of feed intake that they want to per day. That amount will change and and the target amounts varies a little bit depending on what stage um, of pregnancy they're up to or their particular class. Um, There's some good industry guidelines around for that. Um, So there's some good publications. AWI has recently put out a releasing sheet for containment publication which has some good information on that. Um, But making sure that there's plenty of feed on offer for them is, is really important transitioning smoothly is really around making sure that we don't let them out hungry and they can go out and gorge and have a huge change in diet um it's a risk from a health perspective and the other big part is from a wool quality perspective you know if we do such a sudden change in feed like that then we're always going to be at risk of having tender wool that's where we get the breaks so making sure that animals are released as gradually as you can is is ideal um gold standard is that they you know they go out Onto green feed, maybe for a limited amount of time, then come back into containment, and, and that amount of time increases over, say, a week or ten days. In some situations, that's that's just not practical. Um, but if you can do that, then that's great. Um, the alternative is making sure that ideally they go out onto um, feed, last thing in the day, so they're not hungry fill them up on hay for a day or two beforehand so they've got plenty of roughage in their their room and that's going to stay there for a number of days and they can gradually increase the amount of green feed that they take in Um, and equally try and provide some of the diet that you've been giving in containment out in the paddocks that they're going out to. So if they've been on hay and grain, put out a hay rack, put out some hay, put out some grain if you need to, um, so that they can still have some of that containment ration while they're out in the paddock and hopefully try and make that transition onto green feed as smooth as possible. Um, from a health perspective, same sort of things apply in terms of pulpy kidney. So if they've been in containment for a long period of time, i.e. they've been in there over three months, then you might still be considering whether they need a vaccination going out onto lush green feed as well. It's, it's probably worthwhile. And the other thing to be thinking about, especially if they're going on to, say, grazing crops and grazing cereals, is making sure that you manage calcium supplementation, um, especially for ewes that are in lamb and especially if they're getting into late pregnancy. That's, a, that's always one big problem that we need to we need to tackle.
1: And that's one thing that I was going to ask you. How long can you keep them in the containment for in terms of starting to, to give animal health issues or, or anything like that. Like, obviously, we don't recommend people lamb down in containment, although we do hear of people doing it mm. with de- varying degrees of success. Yep. But, you know, in an ideal situation, we'd want to lamb down in the paddock. Yep. But how, how how much prior to lambing date would you um, suggest that is an optimal time to, to release those use.
2: Um, look, I think generally you want to try and get them out of containment at least three or four weeks pre-lambing if you can. Um, some of that depends on how much of a transition or a change in diet more than anything they have to undergo. So if they're going on to really lush feed, then you want to try and do that as you know earlier or away from lambing as you can. And, and like I say, probably ideally if you can do that at least three or four weeks before lambing, then that's good. Um, if it's a situation where things have stayed dry and... Um, in the ideal world, we've used containment to conserve a little bit of dry feed out in the paddock for them to lamb down onto. Realistically, they're going to be on a pretty similar diet out in the paddock than what they've been on containment. And in that sort of situation, you know, you might be able to push it a little bit to go out and say a couple of weeks before lambing, um, especially if they don't have to, you know, be walked kilometres and kilometres out out to go out to their lambing paddocks. If they can be released, you know, to a couple of paddocks next door, um, then it's not a lot of stress in that sort of situation and they can be drifted out closer to lambing time.
1: And when we... We've, if we're scanning while we've got our use and, and we're continuing to keep them in containment uh, putting them into earlies and lates is, there, is that a, a sound strategy in terms of managing your, your feeding uh, going forward and the release of those animals I know that mm. like here at the moment feeds in abundance but I, I do know that today that um, the Monero and the and the southeast of the state are still doing it pretty tough with um, seasonal conditions so there's quite possibly people that are, are looking at at um, you know can keeping their sheep contained due to drought, yeah. um, is that something uh, that you'd suggest? Is that, is that uh, a good management practice to, yeah. to optimise feeding?
2: Yeah, look, it is. If, if you can handle it from, a, from your sort of the pen design, so you can split them up that way, so you might have early and late and obviously maybe single and, and multiples then it's, it's a really effective way, partly from managing nutrition, so it allows you to to feed them in the most cost-effective way. And, and by that, I mean you're basically formulating a diet for each group so that you know when they need to go on to a higher-grade ration as they approach late pregnancy, because you're going to have a few weeks' difference between those two groups, obviously. So um, it helps from that perspective, and certainly from a release point of view, it's it's really useful as well. Um, so you've got the ability there to make sure that, rather than having to try and pick that they all go out, say, a couple of weeks before lambing starts. well, you might have, obviously, a portion there that can stay in containment for another few weeks. Um, You're you're conserving your paddock feed until they are closer to the point of lambing and um, and manage that transition out. So it it is a positive thing to do.
1: Hamish, just before we finish, I I want to go back to managing the animals whilst joining. So you've you've brought the ewes in, given them a bit of time to settle in before you introduce the rams to them. You've got them all up on their... Their diet and their ration—that's going to, you know, just continue on. What happens when you put them in? Do you like observe? Do you have to do any other management with regard to observing them or, or keeping an eye that the rams aren't fighting if they're in a little bit closer proximity?
2: Um, Look, yeah, it's still normal practice from that perspective just to make sure that you're monitoring joining and making sure that animals are behaving the way that we expect. You know, you should be watching to make sure that rams are active. Um, You've got to be careful with fighting. Look, it's always part of that. That management part, whether it's in the paddock and it's it's no different in containment. Um so always watch that you've you know you haven't got bullies in the in the mob from a ram point of view or those that are that are actually going to get bullied too much um, so it's no different from that point of view you do have to monitor the joining activity over the time that you you join um, so that that is an important part of it um, and equally even from the you perspective as they're in containment for longer and longer periods of time um, they can stay in there realistically for um, as long as you need to if you've got the conditions right if you've got the nutrition right if you've got animals that are well adjusted to come in, into containment, then you should get a good result. Where we tend to see problems with animals in containment over longer periods of time is for animals that have not been inducted into that type of situation properly in the first place. Um, so I think you'll you'll tend to find that the longer you go on you may well find that there's animals there that, that start to drift away. And that's where monitoring condition is really important because those animals that start to drift down in condition score are the ones that we need to need to watch for and and either move to a separate pen to give them more opportunity for feed space or move them to a different environment, i.e. get them out of there and back onto onto paddock conditions. There will sometimes be a portion of those. I think if if there are high percentages of those animals, then usually that's indicative of something else going on, whether it's poor design, not enough feed access, um, the ration isn't right, it's too hot. There's, there's a whole range of things that can cause, you know, high, shy feeder percentages, basically. Um, so you shouldn't have a lot of them. If you are getting too many, then it, it can be indicative of something else going on as well.
1: Just one final question for you. About rations, not every ration's as good as the next ration, and you know we'd we'd need to do our feed budgets. We need to make sure that we've got enough feed on hand and stuff like that, and get get those little things right at the beginning. What's your advice for anybody who's wanting to do something as as um you know major, I guess, as joining in containment for a, for an optimal outcome r- with p- particular emphasis on on their ration?
2: Yeah, look, I think. Um, just uh, I think make sure we get those rations right is is a really important point of it and understanding all the components that can go into correct ration formulation. The really positive thing about having animals in containment is that you can feed them a whole number of different ways. You don't have to always do the stock standard ration, that you can actually use a whole variety of ingredients. The challenge comes in understanding what they contribute, what their quality is, and how to combine them in the right way to actually get a good outcome. So we have to look after you know the basic requirements for energy and protein and fibre. And then we've also got to make sure we get you know the minerals and the vitamins right as well. Um, and that's something to be conscious of, especially especially in, in drought years where animals are coming potentially into containment off some pretty tough conditions already. Um, they they need to be looked after in that environment. So certainly make sure that you get some help to put a formulation a ration together if you can't do it yourself. There's there's plenty of resources available that can help you um, in terms of calculators online and there's plenty of people around that can help in terms of giving you some advice and, and putting the rations together in the first place. But yeah, I think, you know, be aware that that i think the really positive thing about containment is you know there are a whole range of feeds available to us and you know there's more than one way to skin a cat and we can do it a whole range of different ways um, it's just knowing the core requirements and making sure we meet that the right way
1: hamish hey thanks for catching up with us today i've really enjoyed our chat about joining in containment and hope that um, our um, subscribers to our podcast have as well and um yeah just wanted to thank you, thank you again for having us along
2: no ice, thanks for me.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast the yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.